Hello, 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 She's had Hangover Packers fans. Garrison Anderson here, next to my lovely sister, Sarah. Uh, and this is a weird episode. It's uh, the bye-bye-bye week. Yes, we are, <laughs> although we all love a good vacation and a break from the action and the routine, Garrison and I are absolutely ready to say bye-bye to this bye week. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, we need just more Packer football. Yes, we need more Packer football at least until like January. You no, know. I need some through February. Through I February, think. okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, so a little bit of a breakdown. This episode will be a little bit different for those of you that have been listening to us for a little while now. Uh, since it's the bye week, we obviously have no game to look over for the Packers. No uh, place to talk about. Yep, no place to talk about. Um, so we're going to do a little bit of a mid-season pause. You know, whenever you're on vacation, it's a good time to rest, reflect, uh, do like a mid-season action report like Matt LaFleur did of like, where can we improve? What can happen? Um, so for this episode, we're going to look a little bit around the NFL and what has been going on to this point throughout the season, and then we'll... Uh, peek in on the playoff picture and then eventually end the episode with uh, talking a little bit about a primetime matchup against the San Francisco 49ers uh, for the Packers coming up this upcoming Sunday. Um, so to We certainly picked a heck of a week to go on a bye. <laughs> certainly. It was... It was a strange week and it's been kind of a strange season overall. Um, what... What, what are some things that caught your eye this week? Um, maybe Miles Garrett getting beating an, a, a, an opposing player with his own helmet? What, what are you talking about? He was just trying to put the helmet back on the player. Sure. Sure, that's what he was doing. But, you know, like, I mean, this week just started out crazy. It was a crazy week. Um, I, you know... I believe Miles Garrett is still suspended indefinitely. Yep. Um, and my thought on that is he probably will be until we get to the off season. Um, it certainly was a, a infraction meriting uh, sitting out for the foreseeable future. Um, I also think that might be a good idea. Let 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 you know people cool off, get a bit removed. You knew his penalty was going to be at least it... half a season, which is where we're at, and they can assess how much more he should have serve next season. For sure. And for those of you that didn't see it, but I'm sure many of you did, uh, Miles Garrett uh, on the last play of the game of the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, Cleveland Browns game. To start the week on Thursday night. To start the week this past Thursday. Um, uh, on the very last play of the game, gotten a little bit of a altercation with Mason Rudolph and, some things went down, and Miles Garrett turned out to tear off Mason Rudolph's helmet and swing it at him and hit him in the head. Uh, it was certainly there was a lot of violence in that game, and it's as we certainly know, uh, being Packers fans, I'm sure many Packers fans remember the Nadomikin Sioux stomp on Aaron Rodgers uh, a few years years ago when he was with the Detroit Lions and. It it's it shouldn't be lost that this is a, a divisional game between the Steelers and the Browns and Miles Garrett's a cornerstone of that defense and as long as the NFL doesn't continue his indefinite indefinite suspension into next year, he's gonna play games against the Steelers again. Uh, Larry Okanjobi, who uh, ended up shoving Mason Rudolph on the ground after the altercation. Mm-hmm who also got a one-game suspended suspension, is going to play games uh, against the Steelers again. Uh, Marquise Pouncey, the offensive lineman who basically dog-tackled Miles Garrett and started throwing some punches and kicks, uh, defending his quarterback. Uh, it, As many linemen do. Yeah, is also suspended and going to play games against the Browns again. So it's certainly interesting to see 
the drama that's gone on in that division. Yeah, and the comparison with Sue, Sue, I really appreciated TJ Lang's tweet, a uh, former offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers, but who also played a couple seasons in Detroit. Um, he stated that I used to hate Sue for some of the stunts he pulled. What Garrett did last night was 10 times worse than anything Sue ever did. And I, I agree with him. I TJ. agree with him. So, I do too. Yeah. So obviously the Miles Garrett situation was one of the big things that happened in the NFL. But it's we've kind of had a weird season in the NFL, especially when it comes to the quarterback position. Um, so this season in the NFL, we, I mean, in our own division, we've had some interesting things happen with Mitch Trubisky can, being a complete dud for most of this year. <laughs> To and, put it nicely. And to put it nicely, there was a moment in the game this past week where Mitch Trubisky looks like he's very emotional, close to tears, and him and Matt Nagy, the coach, are hugging, and Nagy's consoling him. And Trubisky's just had a rough year to this point. Um, Matthew Stafford uh, having an injury that seems somewhat significant and seeing Dr- Jeff Driscoll play for the Lions is certainly interesting. Absolutely. Um, Talk about a fluky weird series of events there getting getting hit to the brown hit to the ground i mean as happens to quarterbacks all the time um but having i believe it's a uh, uh, partial hairline fractures in several mm-hmm. of his vertebrae mm-hmm. like that does not happen every day um so you know kind of scary stuff really when you think about it breaking a vertebrate a vertebrae or one or several that's that's serious like that's like in some instances can be career ending. Um, so, I mean, if, if it happens suddenly and quickly, you can be paralyzed. Like this is, they're not fooling around for sure. And I mean, even in other divisions throughout the NFL, it's been, uh, it's been a roller coaster ride of a year for, for all the things that the NFL has instituted to protect the quarterback and be very cautious and throw a lot of flags whenever quarterback gets touched. We'd see guys like Ben Roethlisberger being knocked out for the year, Mason Rudolph having to step in. Phillip Rivers for the Chargers has not looked like a good quarterback the last few games. And honestly, <laughs> unfortunately, just, he showed up against the Packers. He showed up against the Packers, but when you do watch some of his other games, he he's, he's an older guy, and people will probably remember Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, and Philip Rivers came in in the same draft ca- class together in 2004, I believe. Eli Manning ending his his run as at... the starter the iron man starter with over a hundred consecutive starts um yeah he also uh as has not been there um cam newton uh for the carolina panthers dealing with an ongoing foot issue and now being out for the year um patrick mahomes patrick mahomes being out for a couple games drew Brees being out for a few games and I think as Packer fans, we should... And Mishu getting a chance to play. Darnold's <laughs> going down with they, mono. Like, quarterbacks are, are... We should be thankful that we <laughs> have not had any of these issues this year. Knock Although on wood. Knock on wood. We've, we've paid our penance the last couple years with Rodgers having injuries uh, and dealing with that. But, I mean, when we're talking about quarterbacks, we also got to mention... The guy who just got a workout this past weekend on Saturday, Colin Kaepernick, getting a chance to at least throw in front of some teams, although the it's an interesting situation with Colin Kaepernick. It absolutely is. And, um, you know, I think it's a very fair question to ponder how much of it is giving him a, share fo- share sh- a fair shot and how much of it is just to check a box to say the NFL did something and try to get itself off the hook. Um I don't really want to talk about that. I would rather talk about the the crazy circus of the 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 waiver they wanted to make Kaepernick and the receivers he recruited to to throw to sign, and then they and and having some disagreements about which media, and so they moved locations and not you know understandably the scouts didn't follow some did, but but certainly not as many as were ready to watch him in, in at um, the Falcons training center in Atlanta. Um, but it's just, it's bizarre. And I think it's fair to say he, I mean, I didn't really watch the recordings. I didn't look at much of the commentary about the, his actual work, the workout itself. That certainly wasn't what grabbed headlines. Um, but I think it's fair to say he he probably is a better quarterback than a lot of the 
a lot of the folks who 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 people are stuck with <laughs> either through injuries or illness or or just not getting lucky when drafting <laughs> it's true i mean and i think to some to some degree the nfl has become very Overconcerned with the idea of a quote-unquote star quarterback or face of a franchise. When you put that label of a star quarterback or face of a franchise on something, once you get one, you tend to hold on to it for a little bit too long. And I think we see some cases in that um, with sort of diminished play once quarterbacks get up into their late 30s and even now into the beginning of their 40s, especially in the terms of arm strength. Um it's interesting for a guy with Colin Kaepernick. Um, I think that he definitely brings a strong brand to the game. And I think that he definitely seems like a type of guy who will would still have success if he got a fair shot in the NFL. Um, I did take a look at some of the clips of his workout and he can still throw the ball 50, 60, 70 yards. He can still put a much better throw than I've seen some NFL quarterbacks do. Um, I think the situation of being in game speed is always going to be different, but it's interesting partially because when Colin Kaepernick had so much success with the San Francisco 49ers, oddly enough, the team we're facing this next week, um, his offensive coordinator was Greg Roman. Do you know who Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator for now? (laughs) No, I don't. <laughs> uh, so he is, I think his technical title is pass game coordinator uh, or run pass and run game coordinator um, for the Baltimore Ravens mm. and Lamar Jackson, who is very much in the mold of what Colin Kaepernick was as a starting quarterback when he was with the 49ers. And has certainly had success um, since the beginning of the season. Certainly. So... I mean, it's interesting just to look around the league and see how many guys there are that are mediocre and how many guys that we've really thought of as stars that are diminishing. And really, when we think about it, who are the quarterbacks that are the studs of in their prime right now? It's an open question. What do you think, Sarah? <laughs> I mean, like, at the beginning of their prime or like in any like broadly I mean I think really the one really at the peak of their prime right now is really like Russell Wilson Russell Wilson I mean I would all you know you can never you can never say Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are not prime because they are but you know their their play has changed and evolved as they've aged and it isn't they are still capable of the things they do and all the things they've done, but they don't do it like they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's fair to say. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they aren't as successful or that they can't, you know, that they're limited in any way, but like they just go about it differently. And I mean, you have to, as you age, you can't play like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, thinking of like how, like how Aaron Rodgers scrambles now. He can still scramble and he can still sneak you for, mm-hmm. you know, a first down, you know, you know, even when it's third and 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that his first, the first option he takes? No. Mm-hmm. Even if it's there, he's, you know, there's, there's just a, a difference to it. Um, so, I mean, like, honestly, like you look at the quarterbacks in the league and. I personally, I thought I hear the ones I think of, I think of, Lamar Jackson's proved a lot this year and is he seems think, like one that's gonna head in his prime. Yeah, I still wonder if he isn't on the rise. Is he really at his prime yet? I so <laughs> so I think he's one that seems like he's proved a lot to in the last chunk of games last season with the support of his coach John John Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Um, they've won had a strong winning percentage both last year and this year and now have a good chunk of games together where the NFL could have seen them out a little bit more, but I feel like they've developed really well together as compared to like a Baker Mayfield who also had a good chunk of games last year, mm-hmm. but has kind of regressed with this year and the NFL figuring him out more. Um, and he did not modify how he played. Yeah. Um, and then I think you got to think of guys like Deshaun Watson in Houston. He yeah. seems like a guy in his prime Patrick Mahomes, obviously, um, 
Dak Prescott's Dak Prescott for the Cowboys has been really good. I would still throw Aaron Rodgers in his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably wouldn't throw Tom Brady in as That's in fair. his prime, but it, it's kind of one of those things where you get older with age and you get to be a better competitor. So and I think he's an elite. Com- he's an elite competitor, and he knows more about the game. Yeah. Um, and that and Russell Wilson. And that's six. I think there are six quarterbacks in their prime in the NFL right now out of 32 teams. Out of 32 teams. Um, and I think it's interesting, and that's kind of why we see every year, even if it's maybe not the best crop, there's probably going to be three to five quarterbacks going in the first round of the NFL draft. I mean, it's true, and it doesn't have to be a best crop, the best crop, or and they certainly don't have to be the best player available. It's just it's always a need and there are so few really prime prospects av- available. I mean, there's diamonds in the rough, but once you get out of the first round, your odds of striking one get pretty low. I mean, you know, there's a few, but mm-hmm. it can be really hard to, to, to figure out who that might be. Um, so, but you're right. Um, you know, and I, I, I mean, I think... And I think there's also a question with some of the players like Jackson, like, has he hit his prime? Is mm-hmm. this his prime? Does he have more? I and think, I think, I, you know. Yeah, I th- it does go a lot to the support that you have around you, too, because I think a guy like Kyler Murray, who was the first pick overall this year, mm-hmm. has a very similar situation to Lamar Jackson in terms of, like, who they are as a player. And it's still yet to be seen if the coaching staff and the front office in Arizona can put a team around Kyler Murray to compliment him enough. Like I think we've seen in Baltimore to this point. I mean, having a a very successful defense as well as key players to go to Mm -hmm. on offense, I think makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know that Kyler Murray has had, certainly has not had that like, like Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah, so what are some other high-level NFL things that have caught your eye uh, throughout the course of the year? You know, and it might be because of uh, Blake Martinez and Preston Smith, but um, kind of the, the, the sack and tackle numbers are um, – Blake Martinez has now been passed by uh, Jordan Hicks, who has played one, act- one game more than him, um, thanks to our bye this past week. Um, but you know, having a, over a hundred tackles in 10 games is really impressive. Um, and then, you know, how the, the, how the, the stack leaders stack up, and this actually ties into, to the game this week too. Um, you know, Green Bay really has, has, you know, the Smith brothers, um, Preston tied at four, four, fourth in the league with 10 and, and Zadarius holding in there at set tied with a whole bunch of folks at seven, um, with eight and a half. But you look at our our competitors this week, and and they have um, they have four four guys who are who are all all up there. The entire defensive front is is able to get after the quarterback. Um, and, and San Francisco leads the league in sacks, I believe, with thirty nine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are I you know it's it's something that jumps off jumps off the the stat sheet to me, and and kind of some of these names up there. Um, I mean, Preston Smith has tied with Miles Garrett. Um, that'll change. I think that'll change by the end of the season. Um, <laughs> Probably by the end of this week. <laughs> so, um, and then, you, you know, it's 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 an interesting group. Um, for it, it's you know, I think I I think there's something to be said for the teams with multiple players that high in the mm. standings. Um, and and so something about both both defenses that are that'll be you know sharing a field this week. For certainly, and I think that's one of the high level storylines for the Packers is the success of uh, the pass rushers that they sign. Um, I think one of the other overall storylines in the NFL that's been talked about a lot, but um, is playing out in the playoff picture, and we could potentially tie these two things together is kind of the wide disparity between the really bad teams and the really good teams. Um, the, and it's definitely there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so certainly for, let's just say the four worst teams and the four best teams. 
So for the four worst teams, we have the Cincinnati Bengals at 0-10. Of course, going for a perfect season. Actually, you know, that is something that surprised me. Given all the transactions the Dolphins had at the beginning of their season, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they looked like they were gunning for, for number one overall. And uh, But here in the last few weeks, mm-hmm. uh, last, what, like three weeks maybe? Yep. Uh, they've pulled out two wins. Yep, they've pulled out two <laughs> wins recently behind the – Helm of uh, Harvard graduate Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, and they're now two and eight, but still one of the four worst teams, teams in the in NFL. <laughs> um, and it's interesting for the Dolphins because the storylines for that team in particular were that yes, they were leaning towards tanking with the moves the front office made, um, but they were specifically leaning towards tanking for the Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. Um, who suffered a absolutely gruesome injury this past Saturday um, and is likely going to be out for multiple multiple months and this is the this is the type of injury that's um, uh, Bo Jackson uh, towards the end of his uh, career in the NFL he had this injury and this absolutely halted his career um, so it's it's a it is a question of like what will Tua come back as um, as a quarterback prospect, and that was the guy that Miami has been reportedly gunning for if they got that number one overall pick. So who knows? But back to what we were talking about at hand: Bengals zero and ten, Miami Dolphins two and eight, the Washington Redskins one and nine, and then the New York Giants two and eight. And then you look at. If you want to say the four or five best teams, well, most of them are in the NFC. <laughs> so uh, you obviously have the New England Patriots is not at nine and one, and the Baltimore Ravens at eight and two. But then the NFC, uh, and it's going to be interesting to talk about this, is the Packers have eight wins, the Vikings have eight wins, the Saints have eight wins, the San Francisco 49ers have nine wins. The Seattle Seahawks have eight wins. Mm-hmm. That's a really intense disparity between the top and the bottom and also the two divisions leaning he- more heavily on the NFC. I mean, it's, it, it, is, it is incredibly impressive, I think, the drop-off between you know, teams with um, you know, two losses and less. And the, and the difference between those teams with only three or four wins. And there's really, there's so few teams in the middle right now. It's, it feels a little wild. It feels like it should be a bit more competitive. But especially in the NFC, you have to, like, it almost feels like who is going to make the playoffs is almost locked up. Um, I think the only real question is, is does Philly edge out Dallas? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a question. Otherwise, like... After that, like the Rams would need a fair amount of help um, mm-hmm. to to make it, um, and and so then that means I mean your your two wild card teams easily could need eleven, maybe even twelve wins to make it. it like that is wild, especially in the <laughs> NFC. And it's interesting, like you said, looking at the divisions and. The NFC East is up for grabs. Dallas is six and four, and Philadelphia is five and five. Um, the NFC North is still up for grabs, with the Packers being eight and two, and the Vikings being eight and three. Um, I mean, really, it's just the South. That, it, the, that you have a hard time seeing anyone coming back to get the Saints. Yeah, um, especially with with you know we only have five weeks left. Exactly. Um, exactly. And then at that point, for the Saints, it's a question of. Can the Saints edge out the Packers, Vikings, San Francisco, or Seattle, Seattle. For, for a, a bye week? And that's really the question, and, is, and is it's, everyone's jockeying for position. It's not who's going to make it. It's, mm-hmm. it's what seed will you be. And really, any of the top six, I could see any of them becoming number one, and I could see any of them you know, being number six. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting for a team like the Rams, who... Uh, went to the Super Bowl last year, and they're probably dealing with a certain level of Super Bowl hangover at six and four. Um, and certainly, Jared Goff has not been playing to the standard. And I think the NFL has found out Sean McVay's offense to some degree. But 
we hired from that type of offense and it's and we're it, eight and two exactly well I, I it's all about how adaptive you are week to week I think and mm-hmm. it's interesting for the Rams because uh, you have guys like Jared Goff who I would consider a good not great quarterback and then yep. you have a guy like Todd Gurley who has dealt with a lot of leg injuries and when you're a running back and a lot of the offense flows through your running back uh it's not a recipe that's going to last long. It's not one, you're right, that will last long. And you need the ability, I think, to pivot and have a solid depth chart if that's what you want to run your offense through. And I think, I mean, that's, I think, part of a major reason why the Packers running game this year has particularly been so effective and I think can be for a long time because it's not on one guy's shoulders. It's split between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And yes, Aaron Jones has more yards and he has had more touchdowns. And he, you know, as far as the stat line is concerned, Aaron Jones is the clear number one. Mm-hmm. But the, the capabilities of Jamal Williams and his ability to have nearly no, to have very little drop off or change, it really, it, it, it's not a drop off when he goes in. It's just a change. It's a different offense. And sometimes Aaron Jones works better and sometimes Jamal Williams has worked better we've you know we've seen games where Aaron Jones has been not not at his Dallas peak and you put Jamal in and we can still run the ball mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's they are just different and complementary and because it's shared it helps out both guys and you don't get beat down like Ty Gurley, like Gurley has with you know injuries here and there and working through them and grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding it's still a grind but it um you know, you ha- you can take a breath, and I th- I think that just makes both of them, um, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, better running backs. For sure, and I think it's I go back to the playoff picture for a second, and I think yeah. about it, and I think Dallas is probably going to win the NFC East, but I think what's going to be as ridiculous is that they're going to be a four seed. That's probably I'm going to predict to be nine and seven. And they'll be hosting a 10 or 11 win team for a playoff game, which is pretty insane. Um, I don't know. They have a fairly wicked schedule coming up here. I I don't know, but the the potential for that type of situation could happen. Yeah. I mean, mean, whether it's the Eagles or the Cowboys, I think you're absolutely right. I think the, the, um, the NFC East... Can get a, probably can get away with you can get away with winning it with only nine games this year, um, unlike getting a wild card slot in the, in, in, in the rest uh, in of the NFC. NFC yeah, um, but like they have to go against the Patriots and the Bills and the Rams and the Eagles. I mean, really, they have the Bears and the Redskins, but their other four games they're going to be tough. And you know who knows um, when teams have a chip on their shoulder, they tend to come out with with. With you know, you just don't know how they're going to come out, and I could see, I could see the Bears coming out in in some, you know, with something going on. Um, but I also could could see it against the Redskins. I mean, the Redskins are probably going to have absolutely nothing to lose except for savoring the joy of knocking off the Cowboys. Um, who knows? <laughs> who who knows? I mean, any team can win any given Sunday. That and is for sure. That is the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, the Eagles, on the other hand, I mean, they don't really have a cakewalk, but they, well, they have a much easier time. They face the Giants twice, the Redskins. Yes, they have to play the Cowboys again. The Dolphins, I mean, the only other, the only, outside of the Cowboys, the only real game to, like, really be concerned about for them is is the Seahawks. Um, so, you know, strength of schedule could, uh, could certainly could play in their favor. Would definitely lends itself to the Eagles over the Cowboys. That's fair. I completely understand that. Um, Do you want to look at the AFC? We we can look at the AFC quick. I mean, it's it. the Patriots will win the AFC East and have a bye. So there you go. That's, that's all you need to know there. <laughs> that's um, nothing new. Yep. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are somewhat of a surprise team in 7-3 and three and likely will get a wild card spot. Um, the AFC North with the Baltimore Ravens uh, look like they have a eight and two uh, heavy advantage in three game lead over the Pittsburgh Steelers at five and five. So it looks like they are the Should prime the prime favorites for 
uh, winning that division and likely getting the second wild card spot. Uh, the AFC West is an interesting division, and I think one to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah. Kansas City at seven and four, and Oakland Raiders at six and four. They're within striking distance. They're a really tight team, and I think the Oakland Raiders showed a lot when they faced the Packers earlier this year. And I feel like they're a really young team that drafted really well. For those of you that don't know, Mike Mayock, who was the NFL uh, channel's uh, primary. NFL draft analyst is the now GM for the Oakland Raiders. So he had a really good rookie draft class this year and they're a young team on the rise, I would say. Um, so it, I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes, but I very much wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders are the sixth team and the second wild card team. Yeah. And then, I mean, you have the South and it's, it's, a, it's a dead tie um, between the Colts and the Texans six, both at six and four. Um, you know, it's, it's all about tiebreakers at that point. And, um, it, it, it should, I, I see no reason why it would not stay competitive there, especially with the Tennessee Titans, you know, not out of the hunt with at five and five. Mm-hmm. And Jacksonville Jaguars only at four and six and technically in not the, eliminated in the bottom of that division. So having two games separate the bottom and the top of the division really does make the AFC South, the most competitive division, but also the division I care about the least. That's true. We don't <laughs> like, say them very often. I, I, I have no significant all, grudges with I, any of the teams. I have no significant grudges. All of the teams, when I hear them, I just say meh. <laughs> um, but besides that, I mean, yeah, the, the AFC, I, I find it hard. I mean... I mean, I will say the Colts won me 40 bucks one time, and so I kind of have an allegiance there, but you know, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty fair weather. Yeah. I, I have a hard time with the AFC because I feel like we're just on this train path to a New England, Baltimore, New England, Kansas City, a- AFC conference championship game. And everyone else is just in the way. And everyone else is just in the way. <laughs> I really think it's down to three teams there where the NFC, I can see all the teams breaking a particular way. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think what this means for the rest of the season is that our, our primetime matchups are going to be flexed to NFC on NFC contests as much as possible, and um, everyone else can go home early. Yeah, there certainly is something towards the end of the year where I think a lot of times the flex, yes, they always try to flex to a better game, but I also think they also try to flex to, all right, who might be the Super Bowl contenders this year? Let's get them some more airtime and get them uh, in front of people so they know the teams when they get into the playoffs and likely go to the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, they're they're, they're gunning for games with, with teams people are going to care about and pay attention to, hence likely Super Bowl candidates. And then also games that are going to be exciting and competitive. And, like, what's more exciting than, like, the top two teams in a conference, <clears throat> a la NFCs? Sunday night game being flexed from the afternoon slot into the night slot. Like, mm. I mean, it's, you you know, and at the beginning of the season, who'd have, who'd have thought? Yeah. Um, Packers have a rookie head coach. The San, San Francisco 49ers were kind of, they weren't terrible last year, but they were, meh. I mean, they were fine. <laughs> the, the, the tough thing for the 49ers last year was definitely that, their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, was injured the entire year for the yep, most part. absolutely. Um, so before we go into breaking down the Green Bay and San Francisco game, are there, there are any last things that you want to touch on with the NFL playoff picture or even the Packers season looking forward? You know, I mean, I have to say just kind of thinking about this week, like the Packers, although – Everyone was able to show up on Sunday and, and get dressed and play. Um, they were beat up. I mean, how can you not be? You know, you go through through OTAs and training camp and the preseason and facing cuts. And then, you know, turn right around and have a short, at least a, it, was a, it was still a full seven days, but it was a shorter week than everyone else in the NFL to cut, get your roster set and go against the Chicago Bears to open the season. Um, and since then, it has been 10 weeks of, grind and go and 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 beat up and and playing through injuries and so um 
the timing of the buy, I think is, is perfect. Um, it's later. We haven't had any, you know, you know, we've, I mean, I think everyone on the roster was beat up going into the buy. Mm -hmm. Um, folks are going to get a chance to heal. Um, you know, I think we're going to see them come out faster. Um, there's, you know, there was a lot of small injuries and those are the kind of things that they, you know, they don't take you out of the game, but they slow you down. And I think the other really exciting thing about this buy, and I, I mentioned it last week, um, but going into the buy, six weeks left in the season. We, you know, week 11, played 10 games. We got six games left in the season. Ideally, we have three playoff games in front of us, followed by the big one to win it all. Ideally, six. only two playoff games, and that then the big right. one, if we have the bye. Yeah, that'd be all right, too. Yeah. Um, but however you dice it, six, six, three and one, six, two and one puts you mm. at nine and ten. We've already played ten games. Mm -hmm. um, when else do you want to rest but right in the middle? That's um, just, true. Just over the halfway point here. Mm. Um, I, I think it's... I, I, I'm excited to see how this Packer team comes out um, rested, healed, um, and with a little time to, to make some, some adjustments and some tweaks. For sure. And I think looking forward to the Packers' schedule, there are some tough games on there. And I think the, the toughest ones we obviously look at are going to be next week with the San Francisco 49ers against the Green Bay Packers. Um, but then the last stretch, weeks 15, 16, and 17, uh, playing the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions, three divisional games and divisional opponents in a, in a row, two of them on the road to end the season. Um, that's certainly not a... It's going to be a tough stretch, like regardless of what the records are, regardless of what I just said about the Bears and the Lions quarterback situation, they're the teams that know you the best. They probably know your weaknesses the best, and they can probably give you the hardest time uh, out of any of the teams that you may just face once a year, twice a year if in the playoffs. Um, and then in between those divisional games and the 49ers games, we have the Giants and the Redskins. And I I can't say too much about those teams. I, I don't think they're very good teams. I think it will be very important to have the Packers be prepared, but I don't see the Packers losing those games. I mean, you know, stranger things have happened. I will never say never, but, you know, the odds are low. I mean, they're... There is, I will say, I'd rather put it this way. There is no reason the Packers should lose either of those games. Zero. None. Could they? Will they? Possibly. You maybe. just never know. <laughs> um, because that, I mean, yeah, the Giants and the Redskins have three wins between them. But you know what? The NFL is the NFL for a reason. And on any given Sunday, somebody might decide to show up. It's true. And I mean... To some point, I mean, when you get to this point in the NFL season, you found out, for the most part, a vast majority of who's a playoff team, who's not a playoff team, mm -hmm. who might get fired and who might not get fired. And even in the teams like the Giants and the Washington Redskins, the Giants have Saquon Barkley, who's one of the best players in the NFL, um, and a major weapon on offense and someone mm -hmm. that is a problem for many teams that they play against. For a team like the Redskins, their coach, Jay Gruden, already got fired this year. Yeah, I mean, they... They have a terrible ownership group, but when regardless, when a head coach get fired, gets fired, everybody's ass is on the line. From the 53 guys on the roster, everyone's ass is on the line. So it's really, if it gets through their head, they need to they need to remember that hey, this is our NFL job, and if you don't play well, you might not get another one. <laughs> it's true, and you know, rushing at times has been a significant weakness for this Packers defense. Um, mm. They've let big plays go. Um, who knows what if Saquon Barkley might show up that week? I mean, you just don't know. Um, Looking ahead, though, you know, which of the games do you think is going to be the toughest? I mean, 
is it is it this week against San Francisco or or is it the day before Christmas the eve before Christmas Eve against the Vikings I, in Minneapolis? I, I mean, both are away games, so that's yeah. not really a difference between them. Yeah, I think the tougher game will be the Packers Vikings game, partially because I do think a lot could be on the line for that game, and I think honestly that could be a game not only for the division, but for a first round buy as well. It very and easily that, could be. That's, that's a large stage. Um, the Vikings played the Packers really well this past uh, in week two. Um, and I think that it's, it's going to be one of those matchups that it's going to come down to the wire and it came down to the wire before and, it, it's probably going to be a one-score game, and we're in their house this time. And I, it, it's going to be probably the biggest stage and the most playoff-like atmosphere that this team will have before actually having a playoff game. And having a younger roster that the Packers do this year and having signed guys from free agency that have not had playoff success or experiences too much in their career... It's something that that could very much be a battleground and a testing ground for how far the Packers will likely go in the playoffs this year. I I can, you know, I think you might be right. Um, you know, I have I have dreams. I wouldn't even call them visions. They might be closer to wishes of, of Kirk Cousins just melting into how he started the season. But, you know... <laughs> I can I can dream all I want. <laughs> Kirk Cousins has certainly uh, brought it on this year too. He's yeah. gotten a lot better as the year has gone along. He certainly has pivoted um, from from his extremely rough start, um, and you know it's it's if you're hot, you're dangerous, and and he's hot. Um, then the question the question becomes, do you stay hot? And um, only time will tell. Only time will tell, indeed. Um, yeah. Um, what, where do you want to go next with this? So we're wrapping up a bye. Mm-hmm. And I do have to commend the Green Bay Packers organization. They've, um, they've done a lot this week. They featured a lot of work done earlier in the season as, as players have, you know, visited either, either, you know, military bases or, or, um, firefighters and police stations and, and, um, featured, um, a lot, there are uh, five organizations that they've decided to to support through the NFL's social justice initiative. Um, we also know that a few of the guys have, have gone to the beach, have gone home, spend time with family. Gerson, if you had a bye week, what would you do? Um, if I had a bye week, uh, man, I, I, could just, I could just sleep for the entire bye week. Um, no, I think what I would do is... I would, I would go uh, to. Uh, I just want to go across the pond. I, the, <laughs> it's very bougie. It's very bougie of me. I feel like I'd be like Odell Beckham Jr. or something in London, just like hanging out and like seeing stuff and doing shit, um, and then getting shit for it on Twitter, like. You should you should be uh, training during your bye week. So <laughs> I think that's what I what I would probably do. Fair enough. <clears throat> what about you, Sarah? What would you do for a bye week? What would I do for a bye week? I would actually of all the things I'd probably do, I would sleep. I would <clears throat> I would get back to some cooking and baking, read a book, and ironically. I actually would probably try to go for a run every single day, so I'd get my training into things I wish I had time to do in my everyday life that I don't. This is why I'm not in the NFL. (laughs) I would just, I I would not last long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not in the NFL either, and I'm sure of of all the players on the roster and the Packers squad and the practice squad, I'm sure players have. um, I'm sure there's a couple who have not trained as much as they probably should have. I'm sure many of them have slept more than they do in a typical NFL week. I'm guessing, and we know, thanks to the beauty of Twitter and, and media interviews, folks have traveled, they've gone places, some for family, some for fun, um, some just to bum around. Um, and, you know, all of the above. 
Um, we should all take a bye week, I think. I agree. Take a bye week. Tell tell your employer we said so. <laughs> we gave uh, you permission. Uh, we have no authority. We, have, we can give you permission. We, we have no authority. We're not lawyers, but eh, well, whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, so how about we talk about the San Francisco Packers game? Yeah. Let's uh, let's, let's turn yes. to the more immediate, um, <laughs> concrete future that is in front of us. For sure. And, um, and so, we've touched on this. Like, this yeah. this game, I could see this being, I mean, the San Francisco Seahawks game was great. There's been a couple others that have been way up there. This could be one of the best games of the season. And by best games, I mean, I see this game as going back and forth. Turnovers are going to be really critical. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to a few key plays. It could come down to a few key calls, mm-hmm. um, which we know the, the the whole refereeing fiasco is it, it is is not dying down and will not die down. Um, I'm sure they will not they will do something over the off season and it will not fix the problem. You can put money on that one, folks. Mm-hmm. But like. <clears throat> That's what this game is going to come down to. It's going to come down to, you know, um, Matt LaFleur said after the Carolina game, it's a game of inches. I mean, this is going to be a game of fractions of an inch. It's, I, there is, there's no way this is a two score blowout game unless like, like somebody dies in the middle of it. Like, like I, I can't even, like, I don't even want to say any of the ideas that are going through my head. Like that's the only way this game is not tight down to the wire um, bold, uh, great game that's going to go for all four quarters. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. So for the game, uh, San Francisco is favored by three, uh, but it is at San Francisco, so that's essentially home field but advantage. How it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. Um, so an interesting thing about this game, and certainly it's been talked about before, uh, is some of the family type storylines going on with this game? Oh, there are so many connections between yeah. the Packers and the Niners right now. It's incredible. Yeah, exactly. So I think, interestingly enough, you don't have to go much further than the head coaches, um, Matt Lafleur uh, and Kyle Shanahan. Um, and they come from the same tree. They come from the Mike Shanahan tree. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's father. Uh, and they were all on the same coaching staff for the 2012 Washington Redskins, which, oddly enough, was a Kirk Cousins quarterback to Washington Redskins. Uh, the they, NFL is a small, small world. Yeah, and I should correct myself. I think that was Robert Griffin in 2012. But eventually it was Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah, I think he was on the roster, but I think he was back up. That's fair. Uh, right. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, so on that 2012 Redskins coaching staff, there was, uh, Mike Shanahan as the head coach, uh, Kyle Shanahan, his son as the offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach. And then Sean McVay, the head coach for the Rams was the tight ends coach. Um, and even, I think the coaching sort of lines are kind of interesting, especially for what Kyle Shanahan has done putting his coaching staff together. Um, and one of Kyle Shanahan's coaches is Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike LaFleur, who is the passing game coordinator uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. And Matt LaFleur even mentioned in one of his post-game press conferences that uh, his wife and kids were going to go over and stay with Mike a few days early and do some uh, reconnaissance uh for the team so let's see if uh we that that plays out in any way if we get a couple extra intercepts interceptions by uh being in on the passing game coordinators so but certainly a lot of uh family type storylines with uh both of these teams and connections absolutely um and you have to admit it 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 kind of makes it fun um you know it wasn't all that long ago um more in the Colin Kaepernick days of the 49ers where we were, it felt like we were going against them all the time. I mean, and we were Um, both the Packers and the Niners would be the top in their division and face each other no matter what um, the following season, thanks to how the scheduling works. And, you know, we played them on a three-year cycle and then we were playing them again in the playoffs. Like it felt like we were playing the 49ers all the time. And it, 
did not have this this element of fun connection to it. It just felt bitter and you know dirty and dogged and it just it was a it was it was you know it was a rivalry. Um we haven't really played them all that much in the last few seasons. Um yeah, we played them in a rotation like we play everyone in the NFC. But like we haven't had those repeat just back to back to back um games and so it feels like this rivalry has kind of kind of taken a turn um different head coaches for both teams um you know different differences in the offenses differences in the defenses um and it certainly isn't like the rivalry like it was in the 90s um I mean that <laughs> that was ages ago I mean there, it, it seems like the Niners are always a team that um is, is a rival in waves, um, you know, the wave in the 90s, the wave in the early 2010s. Um, and, you know, is this the start of a new of a new era in, in the, the 49ers-Packers rivalry? Certain, certainly has potential, and I think it definitely has potential partially because of the quality of the head coaches and also um, some, some establishments in different ways throughout the rosters of these two teams. Obviously, both start first off with having a competent quarterback behind center um, with Jimmy Garoppolo for the 49ers and Aaron Rodgers for the Packers. Um, But it also uh, stems around building out. uh, Oftentimes they say after quarterback, what are the positions you think of next? It's left tackle, Mm -hmm. edge rusher, lockdown corner and those are kind of the building blocks that a lot of teams build around um and for the 49ers they've spent uh three or four of the last first round draft picks and albeit these are top 15 draft picks uh in nick bosa eric armstead deforest buckner solomon thomas all really highly drafted guys along the defensive line um that have continued to get pressure and make that one of the fundamental building blocks of the San Francisco 49ers team. Um, And they don't have any slouch in Joe Staley, who's been in the league for a long time. Um, And that's kind of where this team is at. It's got some foundations to it. And the Packers are certainly right there too, with signing some young free agents, having Aaron Rodgers under contract for a few more seasons um, and having some of the building blocks in place. So it certainly could be a rivalry that carries forward. Uh, but I think if it does, it's going to be in the playoffs. <laughs> so. I mean, it very well could be. Um, we, I mean, this is a team, you know, the odds are significant that we we will see them again. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and it, it, I mean, in all, you know, Look at, looking at the standings, how they are right now, you you could easily say that the, a game just like this one is, you know, determines who goes to the Super Bowl. Yep, it very much could be an NFC Championship game. Um, so at the level of the game, what what do you think this game might look like uh, when it comes down to it? Um, I mean, <clears throat> I honestly think this game is going to come down to to rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be the, the San, Fr- Fran- San Francisco rushing against the Packers. And I think, um, you know, I think Seattle in San Francisco's only loss, um, you know, turnovers made that game wild. But when you start looking at the stat line, um, the, the, the biggest way Seattle won after turnovers was, was in rushing. They, they kept 40, the 49ers in check and they were able to get yards. Um, you know, and, and that's a recipe for, for winning games. Um, although with all the turnovers, the, who knows if that actually means anything. But, you know, I, I kind of like the Packers' odds. If they can get Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones going and get the game going through them, um, the, the offense will be good. Um, I believe in the defense's ability to get a turnover or two reliably. Um, their average says so. Um, and so, you know, if they do those things and are consistent and don't turn the ball over, um, they, they, it, Seattle has proven this team's not, un, not unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just tough. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of it will come down to, like you said, um, controlling the ball, as we always say, with the Packers. And as Matt LaFleur has said in many of his post-game press conferences, um, and I think a lot of that comes down to the pass rush as well. Um, so when we, I obviously mentioned the San Francisco 49ers have a really strong pass rush, um, but the Packers also have a strong defense or strong offensive line. Um, so some stats recently came out this week, updating some offensive line and defensive line stats. Um, they have a somewhat new stat called pass block win rate and pass rush win rate. So essentially these stats are the ability for how long a offensive lineman can sustain a block for two and a half seconds or a defensive lineman can beat a block within two and a half seconds. Um, so that's where the pass, these stats come down to and the percentages they break down to. So the Packers probably obviously enough have Preston and Zadari Smith, uh, both in the top 10 in these uh, categories Preston getting beating a pass block 27% of the time and Zedarius beating 25% of the time. Um, but then the Packers offensive line is also really strong in this. In fact, the Packers have the number one offensive line pass block protection at 80, 68% of the time. Um, and they have been really strong in that category. Um, so I think it does come down to uh, how much the trenches work in this game. And in particular, when looking at a game like the Seattle-San Francisco 49ers game, a lot of the times Jimmy Garoppolo made mistakes was when was in, pressure was in his face. Uh, there were definitely instances throughout the game where uh, the defensive linemen in the trenches had a really good job punching out some balls, but also when the defensive linemen had pressure on the quarterback and were in there, that caused a lot more issues, uh, whether it be a errant interception or a fumble, both of which happened in the Seattle game. Um, so that's something I think that will really be a key to this game and seeing how, how much pressure the Packers can get on Jimmy Garoppolo. And if we can force him to make some mistakes, um, Kyle Shanahan's one of the better offensive coaches in the league and will certainly have a strong running game schemed up and give Jimmy Garoppolo the opportunity to make easy pass completions. But really affecting and disrupting that, I do agree, is what's going to be the key to this game. <clears throat> yeah, some of the other things um, kind of interesting in that uh, pass block win rate that you have listed is is having Lindsley tied for first among centers, ironically with J.C. Treader, a former Packers center, mm. center. Um, and then Ellen Jenkins and David Bakhtiari tied for second at their respective positions. Um, and I just, I mean, I think Elton Jenkins is, um, you know, Darnell Savage has had some impressive plays. Um, we've seen a few other things from some of the rookies, but I think Elton Je- Jenkins is um, the best draft pick of this class he's Um, he certainly i think has been the packers rookie of the year absolutely and um honestly i think you know it's hard when you're a guard Mm -hmm. like what stats do they really keep for guards yeah that's it like Mm -hmm. (laughs) there 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 are none like you know it's it's you know, yes, they do track a lot of things. Like they track, you know, did, you know, like this, you know, pass block, you know, thinking about, did you hold up your block? Did, you know, did your person come free? And is that why, you know, was where the pressure came from or the tackle or the sack or the, you know, whatever it might be. Yes, they track all of those things. But as far as like statistics on, on the box score, you know, the O-lines don't show up. They mm-hmm. never show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you never hear about them, that's meaning that means they've done a good job mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you heard about them, either they let somebody else get a sack, they got a flag. Like those are the only reasons you hear about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just it is Elton Jenkins just quietly came in, you know, subbing in for an injured lane Taylor and has just been a rock. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, it came up on some of the press conferences this week and some of the reflecting, but like, he at, he 
it's definitely the best second round pick of the draft and very, very easily, I think, is is in the conversation for rookie of the year. Yeah, and certainly has put himself in a conversation that uh, if the Packers aren't playing in the Super Bowl, uh, he could very easily be a pro bowler. Um, but I, I think you're, what you're saying is right. And Matt LaFleur said, gave him a compliment in his most recent press conference where he said, Elton Jenkins on each and every play gives it his all. Um, and he mentioned how a lot of times you can't necessarily uh, see what goes on on the offensive line. Uh, and sometimes just overall, the way the NFL uh, shows a game, it's kind of hard to see. Like a lot of times when you're watching a game on TV, it's focused on wherever the play is. Uh, but sometimes it doesn't necessarily follow. Like when a running back scoots off and breaks it for a 60-yard run, sometimes you forget about the lineman that, kick two guys on the ground to like open up that 60 yard run. Um, so sometimes it's hard to see, but it's interesting when you're a coach, oftentimes you get a thing called all 22 footage mm-hmm. um, where the camera angle is going to be either at the back of the offense or the back of the defense. Uh, and then you can see all 22 guys on the field when the play starts and you can see them for most of the duration of the play to see how the X's and O's actually develop throughout the play. Not the most sexy angle for uh, seeing a ball fly through there and then land in someone's arm or to see a guy streak past all the other people. Um, but that's how you can kind of start to see where these unsung heroes are in the game, like in Elton Jenkins. Absolutely. And I can easily see a scenario where he becomes the most successful and has the most illustrious career of anyone in this draft class um, for the Packers. Um, it's just something about being a solid, reliable, consistent alignment and all the potential is there for him to do it. Yep. So with that, uh, San Francisco's favored by three. We've talked a little bit about how we think this game is going to go. What is your final score prediction and who do you think is going to be an X factor for this week? I thought about the score prediction, actually, for more time than I usually think about score predictions. But I think the score of this game is going to be 29-31, to 31, Packers winning on a last-second field goal to pull ahead and take and, and, and take the W. Um, I think the way this game is going to play, it's going to be a back-and-forth of touchdown, 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 touchdown. Um, and then I think at the very, at the very end, San Francisco is going to feel bold. They'll need to take the lead. Um, they'll score their touchdown and they're, they're going to, they're going to go for it and they're going to get that two point conversion for the lead, locking it down, forcing the Packers to do something with very little time left. Aaron is going to have a Jared cook all up throw down the sideline. Somebody (laughs) toe tapping in, going out of bounds, stopping the clock with just enough time. And Mason Crosby will come out and win the game. So I guess my X factor is whoever the toe tapper will be. <laughs> no bets on who that is. That's fair. We'll just say Aaron Rodgers. We'll say Aaron Rodgers is the X factor. Um, or maybe Mason Crosby. I'm not sure how long of a field goal this is going to be. Who knows? Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting prediction. I think it's a... <laughs> it's I think oddly it's, specific. It's oddly specific, but I think it's a good one. Um, I think there are going to be multiple turnovers by both teams in this game. I think it's going to be like a, each team has two turnovers, maybe one has three, maybe it's like two to one. I think both teams will have turnovers in this game. Uh, and I think the Packers will have one more than the San Francisco 49ers. Um, getting one or giving one? Getting one more. So they're going to be plus one in the turnover margin is what I'm saying. Um, and I think that's going to be the difference in the game. So therefore, I'm going to pick a defensive player, uh, and I'm going to pick uh, Rashawn Gary to force a fumble uh, and to uh, help out the team there. Um, so yeah, uh, with that, we're coming up towards the end here. Is there any last things that you want the people to know out there, Sarah? You know, I'm excited for this game. This is going to be a good game. I am going to be out of town yet again. I don't know where I'm going to watch this game, but you know what? It doesn't matter. It's pri- it's flexed. It's prime time. It's going to be on all the TVs as this one should be. Completely agree with you. And my last thing, a bit of fun news to leave you with. Uh, 
There was a delightful Twitter exchange between Zadarius Smith and a fan this past weekend, and I want to leave you with some good news to counteract all the craziness going on in the world. So Zadarius tweeted out uh, that he said, thinking about doing a turkey and jacket giveaway for Thanksgiving. Where should I have it? At the Lambeau Field parking lot? Question mark. Uh, and then a fan replied to him, and he said, and he said, please never leave this team. And then Zadarius replied, I'll grow old here. I'm here for life. Fingers crossed emoji. <laughs> I thought that was a pleasant interaction and made me smile uh, almost as wide as Zadarius Smith himself. Uh, so with that, uh, let's hope for a Packers win this week, and we look forward to talking to you next week about the game and what happened. So have bye 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 week. Bye 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 week, and go Pack Go. Have a wonderful evening, everyone.